I had the privilege of being at a, a Baptist church on Sunday morning this past week, and I loved it. And now that we're in a Presbyterian church, I want to import some of that. So if I say something tonight that speaks to you, I want to get, you'll say, you don't have to say amen, because that feels like, okay, amen. You can just say, mm-hmm. <laughs> How's that sound? So I'm going to, here we go. I'm so happy to be here tonight. Mm-hmm. And I also want to do something that the preacher did that I loved. He's so from me. He was so religious. He said, before he started, he said, he said, God, I, I hope that you put into my mouth the words that the community needs to hear. And I really, yeah, uh-huh. So I'm hoping that, that Akash Baruch that the Holy One will place the words in my heart that, that need to be spoken, that, that you need to hear. I know that I felt that way this week when I walked out of my apartment. And you know, there's a tradition amongst the wisdom masters of the Hasidic world that any old thing that happens to them, whether it's on the street, wasn't on buses then, but on trains, became a teaching, it became a, a Torah. It didn't matter if it was in a cab, it didn't matter if it was a carriage. That was the locus, that was where Torah happened for the Hasidic masters. So I was walking out of my apartment and and I saw two teenage girls walking by me, and, and this is the, the little snippet of their conversation that I heard. How stupid can she be? You make a mistake once, twice, fine. But the third time, then you're a fool. Hmm? They said it a little bit more like, you know, you guys can get the teenager thing. It was like more like Twittery, you know. It's like, what's stupid, you know? How stupid? Just don't repeat the same mistake over and over again. It reminded me of this Portia Nelson that many of you I'm sure are familiar with. Her autobiography in five chapters, five short chapters. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. I walk down the same street, there's a deep hole in the sidewalk, I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. I walk down the same street, there's a deep hole in the sidewalk, I see it is there. I still fall in, it's a habit. My eyes are open, I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. In chapter 5, I walk down another street. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Mm. So breaking patterns involves repetition. I think it was a great relief in the Western world when our tragic lives to some degree and all of us, each and every one of us in our own way, have a combination of triumph and tragedy within our own lives. When our tragic, the element of tragedy or the tragic within our lives was codified by Sigmund Freud in his repetition compulsion. And what Freud essentially said was that those patterns that repeat over and over again are opportunities they are the psyche's way of saying, here 
is a place that needs healing. Here is an opportunity to recognize a pattern, but not just recognize it, but potentially heal it. Not repeating patterns has a biblical name. You know what? You want to know how you say don't repeat a pattern in the Bible, Eric? You want to hear this? It's this. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to Egypt. You left Egypt. Lo tosifun. Do not go back to Egypt. Egypt is that place that once you have left, the Torah tells us, don't go back. In this week's Torah portion, the minu yamelech, reshus, chova, is it an obligation to... Doesn't matter what the king or the monarchy in Israel, in ancient Israel was. It's not really for our... It's not really very interesting here. The most interesting piece of it was the king was enjoined, you'll be as powerful as you can be, but don't go back to Egypt to, to get horses and build a military. Don't go back... To, don't make alliances by marrying other into other kingdoms, but most of all, don't go back to Egypt. Don't bring them back to Egypt. But if you look at the end of the Tanakh, and by that I mean not the Nevi'im, not Isaiah and Jeremiah and all of those, and not the Ketuvim, Proverbs, the end of the historical, quote-unquote, portion of the Bible, Micha Goodman at the Hartman Institute this summer spoke about the irony that the end of the Bible, it actually ends, not the five books of Moses, but the, right, the oeuvre, the Bible. It ends with the Jews on their way into exile to where? Egypt. You hear that? You can try as hard as you want. You and I both know this. That Portia Nelson's story and the story of those two girls that I happened to listen to wisdom from is very romantic. Each and every year, we arrive before the high holidays, and I don't know about you, I'll speak for myself, but I think, God, what happened this year? I'm right back where I started. Here I am. I walk down the same street, I fall into the same pit. I leave Egypt, I hear God saying, don't go back to Egypt, don't go back, don't go back. In three words, that's all you need. Three words, don't go back. And here I am. And not only that, the Torah tells me, don't go forwards. If you go into the land of Canaan, the Bible says, the Torah says, make sure that you don't do like those Canaanites. Egypt behind me, Canaan in front of me, and here I am, stuck in the middle. The Torah gives us one beautiful line. And I want you to take this line with you for the next three weeks as we prepare to enter into the High Holy Days. Tamim tiyeh im Adonai Elohecha. Tamim tiyeh im Adonai Elohecha. Tamim wholehearted. Be wholehearted with Adonai your God. A verse that Maimonides says is so essential to the Torah, so essential a commandment that it isn't even a commandment. It's so meta to the understanding of Torah that it isn't included in his minyan mitzvot, in his 
grouping of individual mitzvot, the Ramban, Nachmanides disagrees, but it is the essential ground of the Torah, one of those up there with your top ten, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your might. Tamim im Adonai be tamim. And you would think a verse that is that essential would have a very clear translation. The word tamim, wholehearted, was often translated, especially in Christian scripture, as perfect. Be perfect with God. Can you imagine, Mark Nepo writes, can you imagine the theology? Can you imagine the erosion of the deeper structure of our tradition from that mistranslation of tamimut? Tamim does not mean to be perfect, as the King James and others translated it. It is wholehearted to bring all of you the context in which the verse appears in this week's reading has to do with divination. We are told if you're not going back to Egypt and you're going to go into the land of Canaan, don't be like the Canaanites. You're stuck in the middle. But guess what? In the middle, don't run around to your local astrologer, tarot reader. Those who know know why that's funny. But you are not to invest in knowing what the future will bring. Meaning, don't leave part of your heart out when you're in the middle. You don't know what's coming. You don't know what came. Don't be running around, says the Torah. Tamim That is the very definition of tshuva, of the entire arc of returning. I'm sure not many of you, or maybe you are, but I, I'm certainly not, and I'm not expecting it, are coming in with a long laundry list of all of the waving fingers. I'm sure there are places in your life that you will make amends. I'm sure there are plenty of things in your life that you think, I made, I did, made the wrong decision, I did things that were wrong. But what we are doing every single year, as this cycle comes back around, as we have that repetition impulsion of the calendar, is to ask ourselves fundamentally, how much of my heart do I bring to my day-to-day living, to my moment-to-moment? What Minks Boring in the poem I read was talking about when she said, right here in this moment, what we called last week, Hayom. How wholehearted are you? How wholehearted can you be? What are the things that keep me from inviting my heart into the present? How is it, right, that I hold back, not going back to Egypt, or maybe going back to Egypt, but not being able to really be in Tmimut? And the number one, for me, often, the number one impediment is a confusion of wholeheartedness with perfection. I remember being 19 years old. I was a young yeshiva student in Israel. And I had recently seen the light, right? Can I get an amen on that? I'd seen the light. I'd seen the light. Praise God. I was a card-carrying member of I Better Hurry Up and Get From Fast Club. Get religious fast. And I went out to the local store, and I got one of those Kohinoor pads. That's what they were, the Kohinoor, K-O-H-I-N-O-R. 
these little orange pads. And I put one right next to my desk. And whenever I made a mistake, I wrote it down. Spoke gossip for five minutes, wrote it down. Forgot to make a blessing after I had my cookies and milk, wrote it down. You can imagine a Zen do, priest doing this too, right, Daikin? You can imagine, like, didn't watch my breath for five minutes. Watched the breath, watched the breath. Right? Orioki, not really eating slowly enough. Every religion has its own orange pads. Saffron, you know, saffron. Lo alechem hamlachaligmor. Lo alechem hamlachaligmor. Vi atem shaim libatel mimena. Our wisdom masters have given us a beautiful piece of advice to walk into the Chagim with, into the high holidays. Egypt is everywhere. And we continuously circle around our individual and collective Egypts. We leave and we come back. That young woman was only partially right. It's true, you make a mistake once, twice, three times, the fourth time you're a fool. But we're all fools. We're all Toms. We're all Tom. We're Tom fools. <laughs> the wisdom and imperfection is the recognition that the mountain of Chuva is high. There's a story from the Magid who once gave an analogy about the spiritual path. He said that God is like a father, the Magid said, who brings his son in a Sisyphusian moment and says, lift this huge mountain for me. And the son and the servants get together after hearing the king's command and decide since they can't lift the mountain together, they're going to start chipping at it and taking stones. And every day they chip away at that stone that mountain, and piece by piece, boulder by boulder, rock by rock, formation by formation, they bring the entire mountain to the king and say, here. And the king says, yafeh, good. It was of course impossible, says the Magid, for you to bring the whole mountain, the shever, the brokenness. He says, bring the broken stones, the broken, the shvira." And you can hear in that the shvirat, the kelim, the broken vessels of Luri Anakabala. Bring your broken stones. Each one of them, each cycle around that mountain, the climbing, the mountain of Chuvah, bring it. One stone a day. One little moment a day. That's it. Be tamim. Bring your whole heart to one thing. So the Magid would say to us tonight, not so Baptisty maybe, the Magid would say that we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll be back to sing the old songs. Right? We're going to be there. But what we can do, the Magid would say, it's to throw perfection out the window. Let it all go. It's not going to happen this year. It won't happen next year. It won't happen ever. But bring your whole heart. Don't use perfection as an excuse to show up completely in a given moment. 
Mark Nepo writes, if every wound that we face in our life is, one of, is a letter in God's name, listen to that. If every wound in our life is a letter in God's holy name, how many letters do we need before we get the secret language? Each letter, each stone, each boulder. That's what you can bring. So next time I see my teenage friends, I'm going to interrupt them and say, your friend may be a fool, but then again, so are we all. Amen. Amen. Please rise.